cat meow or something hello everyone and welcome to the star wars weekly podcast where each week my friends adam grant and this week we're joined with carly and jenny uh talk about the week in star wars and generally many other star wars related ideas themes and theories but this week we're doing a special episode uh we are at the river bar in uh medford somerville, somerville wherever are we gonna split hairs here we're technically at the uh so the Winter Hill Yacht Club, which is right there. The Dryden Bar yeah. Yacht. <laughs> yeah, Yacht Dock. Gala. Um, and uh, we just saw Solo um, on the first showing in our time zone, um, and I think that was pretty awesome. So we're just, this is going to be an absolutely spoiler-filled review of what we just saw and just get the let out on a movie, which is something that I've personally always wanted to do with a stars film and just, like, really get into what the heck I just saw and sort of digest with some friends. So... Um, we have one mic, and so we'll be passing that around. Um, and, yeah, um, who wants to start it off? Anyone want to give us our feelings? Grant? Oh, I'll go, I'll go. Grant always starts, so here he is. All right, so I just got a solo Star Wars story, and um, I got to say, if, I'm, if I could use two words to describe the film, I would say it's a beautiful mess just like Han himself. It's kind of, I love the majority of the film. There's just a, some messy stuff. You can feel that some scenes have a different tone than other scenes. But other than that, the whole film is amazing. It looks beautiful. It's incredible. It, it's able to ape so many different styles. I think the, the beginning of the film feels like a Miyazaki anime. There's a lot of like really beautiful music. There's these characters that feel like they're straight out of a Miyazaki film. Uh, then it goes into a kind of a James Bond feel um, on, a, on a yacht. It kind of, It's really cool. Uh, then it gets to kind of Indiana Jones and I'm in a in a mine, it's, it's so many different styles that it's able to be that it really shows where Star Wars can go and what Star Wars can be, which is anything. And that's hugely exciting. So, And I love the film. There's a lot of deep, crazy lore drops that happen in the film that are like, holy moly. But um, I loved it. I think it was really, really good. And um, uh, yeah, a little messy. That's all I'd have to say. It's just a little messy. I'll, I'll pass the mic now. Uh, I'm, I'm right there with Grant. I feel very similar about it. Um, I'm not going to say a lot because, as you can probably tell, my voice is a little wonked. But, um, yeah, thank you. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, there are some things I would change, and we'll probably get into some of the specifics similarly. Um, but what I'll say, what I really appreciate about the film is it felt reserved in a way that Rogue One didn't at times. Um, as Grant said, there's a lot of drops. There's a lot of lore drops, but they're vocal and verbal or background more than those record-screeching moments when you see, like, R2-D2 and 3CPO, uh, or when you see, um, you know, other characters suddenly. So yeah, so the drops were subtler to me than they were in Rogue One, except for one major one at the end, which which I don't, we'll, we'll definitely talk about. Uh, you know, I'll just spoil it right now. They, they drop in Darth Maul, 
Um, and and <laughs> yes, there was a stranger that I just ruined their night, um, which is fine. It lasts 15 seconds. It was not my favorite part of the film. It, it felt very much like, oh no, we've gotten all the way into this film and we don't have that draw-dropping moment that we have in all these other movies. We don't have a CGI Tarkin. <laughs> You know, we don't have anything, so we just got to throw this in here. I mean, it was great to see it actually being played by uh, Ray Parker and then and Whitwork, who does it in the cartoon, so that was nice. But I just kind of went, I, to be honest, I sighed. It was a sighing moment for me, which I don't like to do in Star Wars, but that's 15 seconds in a two-hour movie that I really, really, really enjoyed. Um, all right, let me hand it over to Ben, get his thoughts. I just have to ask you, do you... Did you... Um, know what happened in that scene because <laughs> I don't I just saw a mall and like my my brain turned to cat meows and like I didn't know like and he was like yada yada plot point yada yada come back to my lair uh, go to Dathomir which I was like all right and I was like staring at his legs uh, which were robotic and his lightsaber which I was like oh yeah that, I'm like I was like wait was is it no I, I think he had oh it's like a piece of a Oh, but that was the lightsaber that he used. At least he had he had that lightsaber when he was in the temple at um, in Rebels when he finally shows up then. Oh, okay, so it would be it's post Clone Wars pre Rebels. And he's lurking in his sort of thing and he's still kicking around Dathomir doing Alright, so that makes sense sort of where he is. Leader of the Crimson Dawn, right? Like he's wearing the necklace now. Oh right. And he was he was wearing the necklace, so yes. Wow, so he's the legit leader of Crimson Dawn. And he had been mucking around with a bunch of um, outfits during that time, well, pre-Mandalore and then apparently post-Mandalore too. Um, it was just a lot to throw at me in 15 seconds, but still cool. He was there, robot legs, um, doing awesome things. Um, you know, his face, he looked old and he looked like pockmarked and he'd got his butt kicked, I'm sure in uh, many different ways. Other than that, though, super, I don't know, I loved it, and I loved all the little drops I had in there. Um, the one that sticks out the most for me was um, when Lando sees Beckett, and he knows him as the guy that killed Aura Singh, which I was like, oh, Aura Singh died, apparently, yeah. and that was who did it, and that also would, um, Aura Singh is tied to Boba Fett, so we know that, like, there, you know, might be some history there as well. Actually, that would probably give Boba Fett some reason to hate um, Han Solo. I imagine if he knew that they were acquaintances. But um, super crazy. I don't even really know what else to say. Either you two. Uh, Carly, look at the look on your face. <laughs> I love this movie. I thought <laughs> I thought it was fun and had a lot of swagger in a way that a movie about Han Solo really needs to. And I was not um, 100% going in. Like, after the first trailer, uh, while I was, I was very... Um, wary kind of of the casting choices and and where some of the initial teaser trailers looked like it was going and I just I was full in like I really enjoyed the film I really enjoyed the adventure aspect I loved um I loved the treatment of Han's character it didn't feel like he was doing an impression but it felt very believable that we were seeing the like birth of this you know Han Solo that we're going to see later um and then and we have to talk about Donald Glover as Lando <laughs> because amazing and I, I mean I you know the the last couple of previews had sort of already indicated that that was going to be amazing and 
his um, his Lando is spot on. And Adam and I have talked about this. It doesn't it doesn't feel like an impression, but somehow he just sort of is a hundred percent Lando. Yeah, absolutely. There he has this way of when he is speaking to um, a character and something is happening kind of adjacent to him. He doesn't shift his focus at all in a way that I never noticed that that was like a that was a yeah. a trait of Lando um, in the later films. And he so he does that. I don't know. He and like the eyebrow thing. There were just a million things. I really enjoyed seeing that dynamic and and then. Chewy and and just I enjoyed the film. I, I there were a couple of moments that kind of felt a little bit cringe worthy to me in that I was actually really excited that we made it most of the way through the film without having having felt like too many like plot threads were being tied in and and trying to be forced into the film. And so getting Darth Maul at the end, I was like, oh, we almost made it, we almost made it. Um, and so, that, but even that like didn't feel quite as um, as big of a of a problem. So that's I'll let Jenny, I'll let you talk before I go on and on and on. Oh no. <laughs> Do you have notes, well, Jenny? No, well I feel like I feel like I should say off the bat that I I am a Star Wars fan vicariously through Ben because I did not grow up with them. They were not a part of my life until Ben was a part of my life. And so uh, all of this is very fresh to me, so I, ha I have this weird perspective of like, I don't know, it was very fun, and I had, uh, I had a lot of fun with Amelia Clark, mostly because I like her from Game of Thrones. I just think she's a cute nugget. And uh, I thought the trajectory of her character was badass, that she ended up being not a, like a damsel in distress at the end, but she was like, uh, yeah, and I think that she sort of, she didn't, she didn't abandon Solo so much as she was like, listen, I'm okay. Sorry, I have to do this thing. Which apparently is Darth Maul. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I thought that was cool. And of course, Donald Glover was awesome. Uh, All right, so it's back to me. Uh, I, I call the film Beautiful Mess at first. And when I say Beautiful Mess, I, I don't mean any of the messy bits were Han or Lando or Kira in any way. They were perfect. Han was perfect. Alden Ehrenreich knocked it out of the park. Donald Glover knocked it out of the park. And Kira knocked it out of the park. The only messy bits were some tonal issues and then a few lore drops that were just unexpected and almost unwarranted and almost unnecessary or superfluous. But that's about it. I mean, th they were incredible. The acting was incredible in the film. I loved all the characters. I don't think there was one character I didn't love in the film. And the puppets, the puppets were incredible. Like some of the practical creatures were the best I've ever seen in a Star Wars film. It was awesome. Uh, the vehicles, incredible. And uh, and for cinematography, the cinematography was awesome. I think Bradford Young is really the next Roger Deakins. And I, I also think that um, uh, the low-key lighting was risky and it paid off and it was looked incredible. And I haven't seen a film as kind of dimly lit as low light, uh, you know, with low lighting like this before in Star Wars. I've just never seen it before. It's really cool. It looks really cool. I can't wait to see Boba Fett, and I feel like that lighting scheme is going to carry over. And love to see Bradford Young come back for Boba Fett, but we'll see. Yeah, totally. That was the the one point that I kept coming back to is like how perfect um, Alden Ironreich's mannerisms are. Like there were so many times where it was just like he just nailed looks, like here and there, and it was so like Han Solo, and we've heard it before, and or we've seen it before, and we, we've heard what he's doing, and it was just so great. And he was so much fun. Like I think he did sort of like a Chris Pine with Captain Kirk thing where he did like he did his own Han Solo 
but um, but oh man, he did so much fan service. You can tell he put in a lot of time to get that character just right. They all must have. Like even Lando was perfect. I love that they you know they didn't dodge anything. They went right for all the like hard hitting facts um, with you know like calling him Han instead of Han, which was like such a great uh, point. And also I, I got my wish, which was that Chewbacca ripped someone's arms out of their yeah. socket yeah, yeah. and uh, and it was so funny because like you were yeah Grant was hitting me as it happened and I just went nice at the same time as hand goes yeah, you, nice you said nice and he was just yeah, like nice he's right. like I was gonna wear that and it was like but you know that was total fan service it was just like you know you all wanted to see that and they did and yeah it was super fun and lighthearted, and I definitely felt in the beginning it was like I don't know. I felt American Graffiti. Like it was just, it was just a pure love story, and like almost campy and a throwback, but like so much fun. And um, yeah, it, it definitely. I love that you said, um, Grant, Double O Seven, like yeah. um, James Bond movies, because there was definitely sections. Every time they went to a new planet, it felt like the whole tone of the movie changed, and you got like a lot of. It was just a great movie all the way around. Yeah, Grant, I wanted to kind of build on what you said I mean you can definitely tell it was had multiple directors attached to it and and I don't think that necessarily hurt the film it, it, I think beautiful mess is kind of the right way to put it and in a lot of ways it felt to me like the most Lucas Star Wars film since Lucas left I mean it felt like a serial storytelling like Lucas wanted to it was very much like here's the first part of the film here's the second part of the film and there'd be tonal shifts with each each time we went to a new planet there was a tonal shift and I probably was not intentional. It probably is a byproduct of having multiple uh, directors on there, but I think it kind of worked in its favor in a fun way. Um, we haven't talked about L three. I think we should. I think we should hit on L three. Um, Carly will definitely have some thoughts that I, I want her to share. Uh, I, I enjoy droids. I will say there's two things about it. Um, it's odd that this is the second Star Wars film or the second solo Star Wars film, not solo uh, story Star Wars film where. The most emotional part of the film is the death of a droid. <laughs> right, yeah, totally. Apparently, they're just the dogs of the Star Wars universe. <laughs> and then, and then the the second thing, um, which is a plot point, um, and it hit the fan service in me that um, I hate that I love sometimes. And it was like in we talked about before in the Phantom Menace, I should hate that Anakin made C three PO, but every time. C-3PO says, thank the maker, later in the in later films, he's talking about Vader. And so in this, my favorite thing is that when they download L3's brain into the Falcon, when C-3PO is talking to the Falcon in Empire Strikes Back, he's talking to L3. And I love that. Yes, exactly. Like, it's it's just such a, such a fun, fun, fun callback. Um, yeah, so L3, I, I really enjoyed. Uh, Carly, do you want to share your thoughts? Oh, right when I got mouth of food. <laughs> yeah, in case you can't tell, we're in a outdoor bar restaurant setting immediately adjacent to the theater. So there's lots of, yeah, there is a lot of ambient noise. Um, so I really enjoyed some aspects of L3, but I also got struck a little bit with a lot of similarities between um, L3 and, and K2SO from Rogue One. And I sort of feel like if I had seen Solo and not seen Rogue One, I would be emphatic about L3. But there were, like, some, <laughs> this kind of nihilistic droid. <laughs> and even the vocal effect, I think, that is used for the droid voice is very similar. And so 
I it took a little bit of the impact away from me, which was disappointing because I really loved that character. Also, is this the first like female droid we're seeing as like a major yeah. I'm, uh, yeah. droid character? And as a major droid character. Yeah. And that is something that Jenny mentioned also and that she and I were talking about kind of immediately following is the the female characters in this film are amazing. I mean, in a way that they are in in a, a lot of Star Wars films. And I feel like they continue to, to treat um, female characters in a way that the rest of Hollywood just doesn't, which also is just fantastic to see. Um, Amelia Clark's um, Kira was just great. And you kind of weren't sure which direction that character was going to go and you know you know that there's no happily ever after because we know what's coming next and we know that Solo needs to be jaded and distrustful of women in general and maybe everyone a little bit so you know something's going to happen but I think the way that they treated that and like how she as Jenny mentioned was not the damsel in distress like she she got her own freedom was the one to save herself and then made the choice about where she was going Granted, that maybe she wasn't completely free. There were some other things happening, but I really enjoyed that. And then, and L three also is this <laughs> kind of crazy, um, but really strong female character in her own right too, which I thought was really cool. So, I love the scene with her with her and Amelia Clark, and she's like, you know, I'm in. Lo- I think he's in love with me, but I don't know. And she's yeah. like, how would that even work? <laughs> yeah, wouldn't that even work? It works. Yeah, it works. That was pretty awesome, actually. When they describe, yeah. Um, I love that. There was other great female characters in there, too. Um, I think we had heard a rumor that Enfys Nest was going to be female, and it turned out she was. And she, uh, I don't know if you guys have played um, Horizon Zero Dawn yet. Oh, yeah, she looks exactly like <laughs> She looks exactly like Aloy, um, the main character in that, which I would find that hard to be a uh, coincidence. Um, but she was really cool. Um, again, another a bunch of great cameos. They finally gave Warwick Davis a um, a line, which was great to hear him say some things. And also the character that I can't remember his name, but they were some some people from Saw Gerrera's posse that were hanging out with um, Enfys Ness there. And I think I feel like there was a background character that could have been Saw Gerrera, but maybe not. He was sort of in the distance and sort of looked like he had the suit on, um, but uh, maybe not. But I think certainly. That was the rebellion faction that they were trying to fund, not necessarily Mon Mothma's group. Um, but uh, yeah, super fun lore, a lot of really fun characters in there. Um, love Kira and love that she was sort of just like on her own trajectory. And um, yeah, I loved L3 too. I thought, yeah, I thought she had a pretty individual shtick from K2SO who was just sort of like, I don't know. But definitely they had that in mind and were trying to hit that tone, I think, again in this movie. But super fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the the fate of L three in this film is a bit bittersweet. Uh, she does die, but at the same time, her death kind of makes the narrative in Last Shot, the book Last Shot by uh, Daniel Jose Alder, it makes it all the better. It really. I had a feeling that she would die in Solo because in that novel, it's kind of this reverence of her going on. You know, Lando's really, really remembering her, and she comes into play at the end of the, the book, and it's really important it's a really big scene and uh and it, it makes it all the better that she dies in solo in that for that story and um back to the tonal stuff uh not so much i saw a jarring change in tone from scene to scene so much as like in one scene itself where two people are talking like for instance kira and han are talking on the, the yacht on dryden's yacht 
and I feel like the tone of their conversation just immediately switches, like a light switch. And I just, I, some of that stuff just kind of jumped out at me. I was like, whoa, okay. But Kira is incredible. I think she's probably my favorite character in the film. I really liked, she just, she knows how to use a sword. She's like crazy with this awesome sword style that I don't even, I, she said the name of it and it sounded really cool. And I, that's from the Clone Wars or something? Oh, video games. Okay. Oh wow, cool. That's a wow. That's a that's a drop. Um, yeah, yeah. You're not gonna be able to hear. Yeah, Adam just Adam just told me the uh, the, the background of that that sword style, um, swordsmanship style, and I, I, it's really cool. That's a really cool drop. Um, at the same time, I think uh, I think the I think the movie's just incredible, and I think each character is just really well built out. There's a great foundation in the film for each character. The backstories are awesome. The the uh, the origin story with Han and Huron Corellia is incredible. Um, yeah, I think Corellia is one of my favorite parts in the film, to tell you the truth. I love the, the kind of, there's a blue lighting there that's really interesting. Um, yeah, Lady Proxima is really interesting, really cool puppet. Really interesting kind of centipede-looking alien character. Um, has this kind of old woman voice, this kind of old sage uh, kind of wizened woman female voice that's really cool um yeah i really liked it so uh i I think because they were sort of in the fringes of the galaxy society or galactic society like sort of lower socioeconomic scraping by they like it opened them up to doing a ton of new um creatures and having them have larger parts and I loved that. They were so great. It was all like practical effects. It was, you know, and, and they it was really pretty neat. Um, all the different like it, you know beings, and they had the costumes were amazing. Um, the voice manipulation was amazing. We finally get to see the spice mines of Kessel, which is amazing. Um, there's a weird credit. Uh, Anthony Daniels gets a credit um, for one of the uh, one of the droids in the spice mines of Kessel, but it, it's the the droid is called. Um, Talk T A K, but I just wonder if like he had some misadventure and ended up in the Spice Mines of Kessel because he ref- references it later, and uh, maybe he was called Tech there and then was C three PO again at another time in his existence. But uh, another crazy. Oh, and then the other awesome thing, and uh, I didn't think we would get to see the whole suit, but when um, when Beckett puts on. Lando's costume from Return of the Jedi that he just has like kicking around and uh, that was awesome I, I saw the helmet from the back and I was like oh my gosh there it is and this is one of the outfits they de- debuted um, it was a new skin on Battlefront 2 this past week when it was released um, that was another high you know I don't know all these little easter eggs uh, keep me going through the whole thing but it was such an exciting movie uh, I can't wait to see it again honestly just one other kind of quick thing I was I was thinking about this example of it it I feel like they were playing off of the fact that they knew the fans would be waiting for a huge reveal and I think but like what happened by the time similar to Carly by the time we got to Darth Maul I had accepted that oh no we're just gonna get through this film without any major drops yeah. um, because for, you know there's at least two or three times in the film someone pulls off a helmet where you expect it to be a character that you know or something, and it's not, and it's a better character, but it's nothing. And then in Beckett's room, and it's been flying around the internet for like three, four weeks at this point, there is a Mandalorian armor standing there. 
And every time they were fighting in that room, I'm like, all right, so this is when someone puts on a Mandalorian art. This is when something, and it just never comes into play, and I love it. I love that it's just sitting back there. It's just that restraint that I really enjoyed. And then all these other, like, super referency drops that... <clears throat> That doesn't take doesn't take you too much out of the film unless you're like a super nerd like we are and like so your brain stops. But like fans who don't know that Terrascai was like a PlayStation video game that was their version of Mortal Kombat, and my mind just went back to being like 17 playing that in my basement, right? And so I got, I got dropped out of the film for a second. But Carly's just like, that's cool. She's beating people up. That's great. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. A deep cut, yeah. That's yeah. 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 I know. There's certain ones that I have weird deep cuts on, but yeah. Um, that's, that's John Kasdan right there. I yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, I think that's all I have to say. Carly, do you have something you want to add? Yeah. I, I know the face. Well, I was going to say, speaking of Easter eggs, do you want to talk about the, the Back to the Future? Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Random. Un, un, unclear of unintentional unten- or not, um, or of just my own fan brain finding these. But there, there was, I think, pretty clearly an audio sting from Back yeah. to the Future, the little, like, like I don't even know how to explain the noise effect. Was it L3? Um, no, it was later on. I think it was. I think it was during the Kessel Run, or maybe later. It was. It was late in the film and like in an action scene, and I, it was enough that I turned to Adam to be like, "Did you just catch that?" And no one. So maybe maybe it was in my imagination, but you, but you caught another one. Yeah. So and this is could be completely just coincidental, but when Han's talking about learning that trick. Uh, when he's flying the Millennium Falcon, he learns this trick from, like, drag racing and stuff. He name-checks the character as Needles, which is the character that Marty McFly drag races with in Back to the Future, and, and is like, Back to the Future 2 and 3, played by Flea. Um, like, that is... So part of me is just, like... I mean, Needles, it's also sounds like a Star Wars name, but I'm like, I don't know. Like, that universe of, like, of all those directors is a small universe... Well, and just funny that you and I both like came to the same conclusions independently. Oh, that was totally a Back to the Future reference. And then immediately after film, we're like, did you catch that Back to the Future reference? And we were both talking about two distinctly different <laughs> moments in the movie, which I thought was pretty funny. So, yeah. There was, um, there was another not-so-subtle reference, the, the Crystal Skull. So I had, I had trouble following any dialogue in that room because it was just like a room full of Easter eggs. Like, um, yeah. Dryden Voss's like chamber is just like laden, and I was like, "There's gonna be something awesome here." And they kept showing those crystals, and that like, she, Kira kept eyeing that like diamond, that massive diamond the size of a fist, and like Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. I guess, I guess, but like, yeah. But then it was that was when she locked down the room and and reached out to Maul, who was apparently controlling her for some other foul end on Dathomir. Um, but yeah, unbelievable. But yeah, yeah, I'm sure more will surface as time goes on. But um, a super great movie, super fun. Um, and yeah, I, I'm assuming all everyone listening has heard it too. Um, if there's something that you wanted to join, I have, a, I have a que- I have a question for you. Jenny has a question. <laughs> because I had this thought, I think the same thought that you had. And I want to preface this with that I have zero rhythm and I'm tone deaf. Oh yeah. <laughs> but uh, in uh, the Force Awakens, the way that they incorporated old themes mm. into the music was amazing and sort of subtle and gave me chills, even though I'm not a Star Wars fan the way that yeah. you're a Star Wars fan. And they, I think they tried to do that in this movie, and I don't think it had the same effect 
and I wouldn't presume to judge that because so wait you didn't like the effect as much in this movie no it, it was too it felt um, like heavy handed and like it didn't fit into the rest of the music yeah. I know, what I think you had a thought I on have that. notes yeah. I have notes on the music I uh, the the music for the trailer was so good and so different and radically different and this happens all the time like the trailers are cut different there's different scenes in them you know there's and there's different audio engineers and mixers and um, but it, I, I was almost as excited for that. And, I mean, I love John Williams more than anything. I mean, he got me into music pretty much. But, um, yeah, I, I think it was a couple of things. You, you could definitely hear when uh, John Williams' themes came in and then when the regular um, theme was there. And some a lot of it was the mix. I feel like they didn't let him off the leash enough. Like, it was really – we all talked about it. It was a little quiet. Like, I mean, usually John Williams, like, it carries you and it's – yeah, it's bombastic and it's in there, and there's a lot of beautiful music in there, but it it, it felt a little generic for me. I mean, I, it was still fantastic, and I, I disagree, Jenny. I think that they like they used the notes and the quotes, the callback themes perfectly. I mean, enough to make my like heart flutter and give me the chills, you know, especially when you know Chewie and Han are in the the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon. There's something about that stupid ship. And that like cockpit that like I'm like I get teary in like ways that nothing else makes me like when they approach the cockpit of the Millennium like I just just lose it and um, just fantastic that dumb ship man it just makes me feel so good and those two guys together um, it was such a beautiful clean fun story I think this movie is really going to appear to a segment of the Star Wars fandom that sort of I think got blown off maybe in the the Last Jedi or felt you know felt jilted in the last movie. Uh, but I don't, I don't know anything about Star Wars fandom anymore. I don't presume to. Um, I just know when I watch something and I like it, and I certainly love this. Um, so unless any of you guys have, have any, and girls have anything else you want to say, um, I'm just going to say um, that's awesome. You can expect us to talk about this movie many more times in the coming weeks. Um, we are going to try and release the podcast every Friday from now on. Um, please reach out to us uh, at swweeklypod.com on uh, Twitter or at uh, the Star Wars Weekly at gmail.com um, if you want to direct message us um, and uh, join the conversation. Give us your ideas. What did you think about the movie? Um, what were some of the things we missed? Um, what are your gut reactions? Um, because it will be great. We'd love to hear from you. So um, thanks very much for listening again, and we'll talk to you next week. And uh, may the force be with you. You're all clear, kid. Now let's blow this thing and go home.